Good morning. In this Easter season, I think it's good to be reminded that resurrection is not a one-time event, but in fact an ever-present reality. So with that said, we're turning today to a passage from Acts, a lesser-known story of resurrection in the scripture. So listen now for a word from God from Acts chapter 20. On the first day of the week, as we gathered together for a meal, Paul was holding a discussion with them. Since he was leaving the next day, he continued talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we had gathered. A young man named Eutychus was sitting in the window. He was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell from the third floor and died. Paul went down, fell on him, and embraced him and said, Don't be alarmed, he's alive. Then Paul went back upstairs and ate. He talked for a long time, right up until daybreak. Then he left. They took the young man away alive, and they were greatly comforted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Last week I learned a few things about falling. In celebration of my grandfather's 90th birthday, my extended family, including my grandfather, embarked on a bicycle trip across the state of Missouri on the Katy Trail. I'm guessing that a long-distance bike trip is not the way that most people choose to celebrate 90 years on the planet. But biking plays a prominent role in my family, and so we made this journey together. I was pretty nervous heading into the week because I've only really been biking for about a year. I took a long hiatus after childhood from biking, and I only recently started taking spin classes at the Y and making laps around White Rock Lake. But when it came to renting a bike for the trip, I decided to challenge myself and rent a bike with a different kind of pedals. You see, I have some fancy shoes with cleats on the bottom that had only ever seen the inside of the YMCA, and I decided that this trip was the perfect opportunity to use them outside for the first time. If you're a biker, you probably know a thing or two about clipping in, Essentially, to maximize energy and to use all of the muscles in your legs, you wear the fancy cleated shoes that clip into the pedals themselves so that you can both push down and pull up as you pedal the bike. Again, I had only ever used these shoes on a stabilized bike at the YMCA. When it was time to head out on the first day of the trip, I put on my fancy shoes and prepared to mount my bike for the first time. And with the entire family watching, I clipped my left shoe into the pedal, then pushed off the ground with my right foot, clipped my right shoe in, 
and then proceeded to completely panic. <laughs> my brain failed to communicate with my body, and before I knew it, I was falling sideways into a mushy, soggy patch of grass, all accompanied by the laughter of my more seasoned family members. Let's just say this was the best case scenario. After the initial fall, I more or less got the hang of clipping in, and I kept up with the crowd for a while. I was feeling good. But after a good number of miles, my body was getting fatigued, and I was slowing down to take a break when I struggled to unclip in time to stop on the gravel path. Fall number two. Then, an hour later, while I was mid-conversation with my uncle, who, by the way, did not stop, it happened again. Fall number three. By the end of the first day, I had fallen six times. <laughs> I thought the second day would be better. But just two miles in, I had my most painful fall of the entire trip. This time I fell onto concrete, had the wind knocked out of me and bumped up my elbow. And it must have looked pretty bad because a car drove by and rolled down their window in this tiny town in Missouri and yelled, you okay? I was, and I wasn't. Each fall was accompanied by that same slow motion feeling as I watched the ground approaching, feeling helpless and trying to will my feet to unclip themselves from the pedals. And though I walked away with just minor bruises and scratches, it became mentally exhausting to remount the bicycle. And the first few days of the trip became a psychological battle against my own fear of hitting the ground again. Each time I fell, my rhythm was interrupted. Every fall was an interruption. I wonder, when has your life been interrupted? I have to imagine that when Eutychus fell out of that third-story window, it was a pretty major interruption. There were folks of all ages from the city of Troas gathered together in the room that day, which gives us a great glimpse of Christian community, of the early church gathering. The text says that they ate together, and then they held a discussion with Paul. Paul was the traveling preacher, the bearer and witness to the story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. Paul was the one who some years before had planted this very Jewish Christian community in Troas as he traveled throughout the region. For this community, it was a pretty big deal to have Paul present with them, to answer their questions and share some wisdom. They wanted to make the most of their time together, even if it meant pulling an all-nighter. To put this story into context, it's important to know that when we reach this point in Acts, the narrative moves quickly from place to place. These are the later days of Paul's missionary travels, and he's seeking to make his way back to Jerusalem in time to celebrate Pentecost, so he's in a rush. In the passages before and after this one, Paul and his fellow travelers move between cities with haste, only staying a day or two in each place. And it's in the midst of this fast-moving travel chapter of Acts, in the midst of Paul's hurry to reach his destination, that these five verses appear, serving as a significant interruption to the text itself. 
The story is a straightforward account of a, miraculously, a miraculous event that's disappointingly sparing in details. Paul preaches for hours. Eutychus falls asleep. Eutychus falls out the window. Eutychus dies. Paul brings Eutychus back to life. Paul eats. Paul continues preaching and then leaves. That's it. But you can see, even in the simplicity of the story, that this event must have been a community-altering interruption. One minute, Eutychus is alive, and the next, he's on the ground, sprawled out on his back, dead. Certainly, the community never anticipated this happening. They may have prepared for a number of circumstances, like running out of food if too many people showed up. They had a plan. Or what to do if a nosy Roman authority stopped by. They had a plan. Or even where to host Paul if he needed to get some sleep. They had a plan. They didn't plan on Eutychus falling out the window. It was a complete interruption. I wonder, when have your plans been interrupted by the unimaginable? The unanticipated? We all know what it's like to have our lives interrupted. We know what it's like to face a major disruption to our routine or our rhythm. We know the pain of unexpected death. We know the deep disappointment of realizing that a dream will go unfulfilled. If there's one thing in this life that is certain, it's that our plans will be interrupted. We will inevitably experience things that are completely out of our control. People will die. Dreams will die. Someone will fall out of a window. Just last week, the broader Christian community suffered a major interruption when Rachel Held Evans, a profoundly gifted writer and a prophetic voice in the church, died unexpectedly. She was 37. And she leaves behind her husband and two small children. Rachel Held Evans was a deeply faithful, deeply honest woman who embarked on a journey of faith out of the evangelical church and into the Episcopalian church. In her spiritual wandering and wondering, Evans became a voice for those who have long been hurt or cast aside by the church. She became a champion especially for women and for LGBTQ people, promoting not only their tolerance, but their full inclusion of their gifts and their leadership abilities in the Church of Jesus Christ. If you haven't had the opportunity to explore Rachel Held Evans' writing, you will find within it gifts of wisdom and courage, humor, and humble faithfulness. The unexpected death of a prophet like Rachel is a complete interruption. In the midst of grief and loss, many are turning to Rachel's own words for comfort and hope. My favorite book of Rachel's is Searching for Sunday, in which she describes leaving her church of origin and finding her way to a new spiritual home, and all of the messiness and pain that comes with that. The very last lines of the epilogue to that book read as follows. Even here, in the dark... God is busy making all things new, so show up. 
open every door. At the risk of looking like a fool buried with his feet facing the east, or like a mockingbird singing stubbornly at the night, anticipate resurrection. It's either just around the bend or a million miles away, or perhaps it's somewhere in between. Let's find out together. Talk about poignant. Even here, even now, Rachel says, God is busy making all things new. Even here, as we face Rachel's untimely death, as we know and experience the interruptions of life and all of the pain that comes along with them, even here, God is busy making all things new. It seems that if we take these words to heart, if we learn to anticipate resurrection either just around the bend or a million miles away, if we recognize that God is busy making all things new, we recognize that the interruptions in our lives, while not the will of God, are still places in which God is making all things new. In the case of Eutychus and the interruption caused by his fatal fall from the window, new life comes very quickly. The miracle of bodily resurrection is enacted right then and there in the arms of Paul who rushes down the stairs to hold him. To those gathered, it must have seemed truly astounding to see the frail and battered body of Eutychus come back to life. To see his lungs fill again with air and his eyes flutter open and his fingers and toes begin to wiggle. The mystery of this miracle lies between the verses of the text. So we're left to wonder not only about how Paul brought Eutychus back to life, but also about what that new life looked like. After Paul declares the miracle that he's alive, Paul heads back upstairs to continue preaching. Paul, who by the power of the Holy Spirit resurrects Eutychus, is in that moment the giver of the gift of new life. And he goes on his way to keep preaching. What about Eutychus? The text says that they took him away and were greatly comforted. But we can imagine that though his lungs are filling with air and his eyes flutter open and his toes begin to wiggle, that Eutychus is not the same person as he was just moments before. And as he's taken away, perhaps he's limping, Perhaps he has his arms over the shoulders of those who have pulled him up from the ground. Perhaps he's carried on the back of another. Because the gift of new life is just that. It's new. We don't have the privilege of knowing the rest of Eutychus' story, but we can imagine that like many of us who have faced death and loss, or who have hit rock bottom and somehow climbed back up, that he saw the world completely differently after that fall, after the interruption. And even as he is resurrected, Eutychus likely left with bruises and aches and wounds that took a long time to heal. Reminders of the interruption. In the sparing details of this story, it's also unclear how long Eutychus laid on the ground before he had the strength and support to rise. And so it is that like Eutychus, 
rising gingerly from the ground in the darkness before dawn. We know that new life is fragile and that it often happens in the dark. We know that new life doesn't always come immediately and that sometimes we have to lie on the ground for a long, long time before we have the strength and support to rise. We definitely know that new life doesn't always happen in the way that we want it to. So of this we can be certain, that our plans will be interrupted, that we will experience things that are completely out of our control. And at the same time, we can be certain that God is always creating new life. We can be certain that resurrection is happening each and every day. We can be certain that the grace of God is meeting us in every moment, asking only for us to embrace that grace as a gift. I wonder, when have you embraced the gift of new life? Sometimes embracing the gift of new life is like putting the bike up, right? Setting your foot on the pedal and propelling yourself into motion, one foot after another, daring to hope that the path will continue a few more miles. Most times, it's much more profound and courageous than that. Even here, in the dark, God is busy making all things new. So show up. Open every door. Anticipate resurrection. All thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.